0: What we do wrong at the start is instead of educating we're out giving salespeople scripts and dialogues and we're teaching them listing presentations, but in my view, we should be teaching them soft skills and teaching them to be better communicators, to have empathy, to understand to how to ask questions, to be curious. You know, they're the things that I think would help us do a better job. You're listening to Elevate the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers, and leaders. With thanks to our partner, Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking, and strategies to elevate your results. For more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier for your clients, visit connectnow.com.au and to get new episodes of Elevate directly to your inbox, Sign up at EliteAgent.com slash subscribe. Here is your host, Samantha McLean.
1: Hey, hey, everyone. It's Sam here for another episode of the Elevate podcast. My guest on today's show is someone who is well-known to everyone in the industry as the director of First National Byron Bay. Chris has been on the podcast many times and is well-known in the industry for his sage words of advice on pretty much everything And I'm delighted to welcome him back to the show. So, Chris Hanley, welcome back to Elevate.
0: It's always a pleasure to speak with you, Samantha, particularly as you've been such a tech guru today in order to get us on (laughs) air because we weren't going to get there, everybody, and the only reason you're going to listen to my dulcet tones today with Samantha is she just solved a myriad of tech problems. So thanks for having me back.
1: Yeah, well, now you've just told everyone I'm a tech nerd too, so thanks very much. very good. (laughs) I try to hide that mm. part of, no, you no, know, no. everything, but that's something to be proud of, I think
0: nowadays. So, congratulations.
1: Yeah, for for a bit of an old hen mm. like me. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, we're trying some few new things on the podcast this year and you know, you and I've had some great conversations where you know, like I really wish that we'd had the opportunity to hit the record button and I'm trying not to be so prescriptive and and scripted and things like that. So, I thought that we'd just let this conversation wander a bit today because you're a very interesting man with a lot of interesting things to say about you know, the industry, which has changed remarkably, I think, you know, in some ways over the last couple of years and in some ways has stayed the same. So are you sort of up for a bit of a, yes. bit of a fluid conversation today?
0: Let's go. Let's go. First of all, how has your year been? When you're a leader of any organization, not just a real estate business, this year's been tough. Tough in the sense that a lot of the conditions that you need in order to be profitable and in order to keep your culture strong and and to keep your people happy and contented, this has been a very, very tough year. All those interest rate rises. I don't only run a real estate business. I'm involved in other professions and spaces as well, and they've all been hard. Why? Because they told us, they being politicians, told us in particular, but not just politicians, that when COVID was over, things then would return to normal. That's not true. Um, There's been nothing really normal about this year. And uh, I know someone who works on Lifeline and uh, they told me that pre-COVID, for example, maybe 20% of the calls that people took on Lifeline, I've seen this in writing, were mental health calls and in the world today that figure is much much higher so the point I want to make is that this has been a tough world, tough year to be in the real estate profession and as a leader though it's probably the time when you shine you know you try and be a good leader when things are hard so I've enjoyed this year you know with all the ups and downs but it's been tough
1: yeah I think we all feel like you know I mean I certainly feel a bit tired I've been counting the weeks to Christmas this year. I think 2023 has been one of the tougher years because, you know, you, you think we had 2020, which was, you know, a year for the record books, and then we had 2021, which was boom, and then 2022, which was coming off a bit of a roller coaster. And now listings have been so low. I mean, Elite Agent, we always try to be the happy sort of voice of the industry or the voice that kind of lifts the industry up. But it has been a tough year listings-wise too, hasn't it?
0: Yes, we probably certainly we're like everyone else, we could do with more quality listings. I I think the last year has shown all of us that even in the markets that are badly affected, a good property still sells, you still find a buyer for it. We've not probably been as lacking in listings as some of the city postcodes. But our challenges have been more attitudinal in the sense that when you're in an area like ours where there's a lot of discretionary buyers and people's confidence wanes, then that reduces the amount of purchases. The listing side's important, Samantha, but not as much with us here. There's still stock around here. Our challenge here has been to match up the buyers and sellers, which is in effect what agents really do. We just match up buyers with sellers. And the expectations, the optimism of the sellers hasn't always been matched by the attitudes of the buyers though as we make this podcast the last few weeks in particular uh, being spring we've seen a change here. there's three markets as far as I can see after all my years of doing this, there's a headwind, a tailwind and no wind. and I think all of us in real estate and particularly in my world have been into sailing into a headwind, the last 14 to 15 months, but it feels a little better now as though not so much headwind and maybe we're transitioning back to something that's a little more normal. But we could always do with more listings and in my world, those listings would be in the, the more affordable parts of the market. If we had more of those, we would sell those, yes.
1: Yeah, it has been interesting in terms of that. And, I mean, we've seen, you know, I guess in the last 12 months, We saw things really drop off in Sydney and Melbourne because they led the boom and then they kind of led the downturn and now they're leading the recovery again. And people seem to be a little bit more positive now in capital cities around the place. Is that sort of consistent with your thoughts on when you look out? You know, is that what you've seen as well?
0: Yes. I don't want to be rude to anybody, but I am going to be rude to people by what I'm about to say. Our profession isn't renowned for telling the truth. You can't always find out exactly what's happening within the real estate profession by virtue of volumes, for example. Uh, So people won't always tell you the volumes in their area. But the inner city is much stronger, particularly in the more popular postcodes, by way of the volumes. But the volumes are down. I spent a lot of time in Sydney and Melbourne and the other cities talking to people or being there myself you know, if you pick a whole pile of good postcodes in Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane, the markets are fine. And Samantha, the most important thing to say to everyone listening to this is that the really good agents, right, the really good agents have found the last 18 months hard, but they have still prospered because they followed processes. And I think it's fair to say that that small number, call them 10 or 15% of the great agents in all the different postcodes, they haven't found the last 18 months that much different to the 18 months before in the sense that they trust and follow the process. So whether they're using auction or whatever they're using and whether they're truthfully persuading their owners to adjust the price of their houses so they can sell, so they can move, those people have done really well. One of the top agents in the country works in my office. And Sue Reynolds is an amazing real estate agent. And she's just had two or three of the best months I've ever seen her have. And whenever I talk to owners of other businesses around the country, they're the same. The really good agents, the ones that are really good communicators, Sam, the ones that are really know how to use data, the ones that over-service their customers and the ones that talk to their clients and the ones that talk to them every other day, those people are doing well. But for a lot of agents, it's been really tough the last 18 months.
1: Yeah, well, we've definitely seen that in different markets around the place. I kind of want to rewind a little bit because what you were just saying then about the good agents, the great agents having great human skills, if I could just summarise that. They're
0: called soft skills. (laughs) Soft skills.
1: Yeah. Thinking about it, you know, like we all got a massive crash course in soft skills in 2020.
0: Yes.
1: And I think we all learnt a lot in 2020. And there were people in the real estate industry back in 2020, and this might be unpopular opinion from me, that said, we don't want to go back to normal. Like, you know, this is actually Mm. really good. The fact that we've slowed down And now we're paying more attention to people and who they are and Mm. where they're at and what they're doing. Do you think we've just
0: gone back to normal? 100%. You couldn't have said anything that's of more interest to me and in my belief is more of a tragedy. Mark McLeod, who we mutually share an admiration for in terms of Mark's breadth of knowledge and wisdom about the real estate profession, I don't know anyone in our profession who, who knows more and thinks more, I asked Mark about eight or nine months ago a question, and for the first time in my very long relationship with him, he didn't have an answer. Now, I actually can't think of any other time he hasn't had an answer. He said, I have to ring you back. Now, the question I asked him, and I said, Mark, what did we learn out of COVID? Mom, what did COVID teach us? And he was stumped. And later on that day, I got a call and a text from him, and it said, I'll give you the answer to your question. I've thought about this the answer is not enough. Not enough. And I 100% agree with Mark. I don't think our profession learned much at all from COVID at all. I don't think our profession, it's like we wiped our memories. It's like all of those calls that we made to our clients and customers where care was the flavour of the call, where we weren't interested in listing their houses, where we're genuinely interested in in helping them as human beings and having a connection with them, we've just forgotten all that stuff and we've just gone back to being transactional. My good friend, Shannon Whitney, often uses the phrase to differentiate the two main types of agents. He uses the phrase, they are a a transactional real estate agent. I think what our profession has done is produce and grow through the way that we train and coach people so many transactional agents at the expense of agents who have a different focus, and I'll say what that is, I think that our profession has, from COVID and through the last up cycle, has made people believe that there's just one way to do real estate and that one way is transactionally, to always be moving quickly to follow a certain number of actions and repeat those actions and that will lead to prosperity and, I'll say this with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, that will also lead to some fame so that we can become what some of us aspire to be, which is famous in some way, shape or form. I just think that's sad and I think... The second model of being a great agent, well, I'm going to call it the caring model, the model when you've got great soft skills, what I think is that there's not enough publicity or promotion of those types of people who exist in real estate who are equally successful but less transactional. And I think the more podcasts like yours and conferences and coaching and training can demonstrate that there's, let's call it a a second path or an option. And just while we're here, when I use the phrase soft skills, all the research all around the world in all the different professions tells you today, not just in sales, real estate sales, but tells you the most important skills to choose someone for a job aren't the hard skills, they're the soft skills. And if you sit sitting there thinking, what are the soft skills, I'll tell you exactly what they are. They are listening is a soft skill. Empathy is a soft skill. Talking to people is a soft skill, right? Writing, your ability to write an email, for example, or to write copy or to write a letter, i.e. a handwritten card, all of the soft skills are the single most important things that you can give someone a job for and if they're going to work in your team or be brought into your company, you should be recruiting and bringing people in who are good at those soft skills, in my view.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because it's just become really easy to train all of the other stuff with tools like ChatGPT and things like that.
0: The public will tell you. I remember someone a bunch of years ago saying to me was Josh Cobb, who builds wonderful websites and it helped us out a bunch of years ago with Rise and is a good fellow. I remember him saying to me one day, you know, Chris, the real estate profession was truly, truly focused on improvement and betterment. He said we'd have conferences where the buyers and the sellers were up on the stage being interviewed about real estate agents and you'd have a room full of real estate agents like, think about this, Samantha, Imagine a 1,000 agents in a room and you've got all these buyers up on the stage asking them questions about agents and then when you finish with the buyers, you get the sellers up there and you do and you have someone really good ask them a pile of questions. Imagine the learning that you would get and here's what I believe would happen. What I believe would happen after the shock of listening to these people talk about us, I believe we'd realise that let's say that our transactional behaviours are so transparent and we don't think they are. We think in real estate that our behaviours are hidden behind sometimes our clothing or our cars or the quickness with which we speak, right? Someone said to me the other day, they had an interaction with two real estate agents recently and they reckon it was a 15-minute interaction and they said to me that the two agents spoke for 14 of the 15 minutes. Go figure. So I think I've made my point
1: there. Yeah, well, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, we've been dealing with agents a lot lately. Like number one, we bought a property last year, we're renovating at the moment and probably gonna sell it next month. Mm. But what I've found in my experiences, and I'm just talking as a buyer and a seller right now, is that I just hear the same stuff over and over again. I know. And If that's just me, and I mean, I kind of know what I'm listening for, I suppose, because I hear it all the time in the industry, but what sort of impact do you think that has on the consumer and what can we do to fix that?
0: Everything starts with recruitment. Everything starts with who you bring into the profession. Certain types of people have always been attracted to real estate and I've got 40 of them here, you know, and I love them. But the but in this instance is that what happens is you get into real estate And you form your opinions, you form your opinions once you're in real estate about what you need to say and do in order to make money. You also tend to, once you get into real estate, think short term. You think transactionally. You're led to believe that getting a listing is everything and then selling it, and in effect, repeating that over and over is where you make money. No one really ever teaches you to build a business, to build the structure of a business. I don't also think that we are given enough communication skills as part of our training. And by that I mean we're not taught to listen. We're not taught to listen. We're not taught empathy. We're not taught the power of silence. Most real estate agents are scared by silence, for example, when we get into real estate and we think we're paid by the word. So we think it's our job to go and throw millions of words we believe in effect or evolve into word bags, these people with legs and arms, and we throw all these words at people and we somehow are led to believe that that means we're going to be more successful. You learn 10 times more by listening. A great quote, um, Paul McCartney's daughter, I remember reading this, it said, the fish gets caught by opening its mouth. In our profession, the greatest tools you've got are your ears. And instead of being afraid of silence, which so many of us are, and thinking you've got to fill up the gaps. So I think in essence part of, back to answer your question, part of what we do wrong at the start is instead of educating, we're out giving salespeople scripts and dialogues and we're teaching them listing presentations. But in my view, we should be teaching them soft skills and teaching them to be better communicators, to have empathy, to understand to how to ask questions, to be curious. You know, they're the things that I think would help us do a better job.
1: So let's let's bring this down to a sort of a practical level that let's just say that there are a heap of young agents listening to this, which there are. And there are agents around the world that listen to this now, unbelievably, but if I was starting in the real estate industry, Chris, this is me picture I'm 21 I know that's difficult (laughs) but I'm sitting opposite you and maybe I don't work for you but I'm saying all right Chris I want to be the best agent that I could possibly be and I want a long career in this industry I want to know what are the things that I should really be looking at and in in terms of education like What are the first things that you would say, all right, Sam, before you do anything else, this is what you need to get
0: right? Okay, that's a really good question. And the strange thing here is that I get asked that a lot. And people from different parts of Australia come and visit me for different reasons. For some reason, people think I might have the answer to that. So I'm asked it a lot. The first thing I do is I spend some time asking them why they want to be a real estate agent. Like, what do you want to do real estate for? And sometimes they give me an answer where i being honest, I know they're not going to succeed because of the answer they give me. Real estate, Samantha, isn't really about houses or being on TV or social media, as we all know. Real estate's just about people and houses are the currency, but we're in the people business. So the first thing I would do is I ask people what they think about people. Do they like people? You know, do they like talking to people? And that doesn't mean introvert, extrovert. I've got a couple of really good introverts who work for me here. They love people, but they love their own space. So I talk to them about also planning. One of the things I say to people is if you start from the get-go planning to add people to your community. I hate the word SAM database, I think what's happened in real estate over the years is that we've made data, we've done it the wrong way. You know, Lee Woodward used to say, use that word I think a bunch of years ago, tribe. I like the word community, but at the end of the day, the single most important thing for a young person when they get in is to find their tribe and then add to their tribe or their community. And I've done that my whole life. I've added more and more people. We've got 35,000 people, 35,000 people in our digital community that we talk to, Sam, every week here, 35,000. And a big chunk of those were people I had or I've had for years and years and years, and I've talked to them through ups and downs and GFCs and all sorts of stuff. So the first is think long-term and add people. And when you start, if it's two people a day, that's fine. Two people a day, is 10 a week. At the end of the first year, you've probably got 450 people in there. 10 years, 10 years is 4,500 people. All right Now, I'm going to do this off the top of my head. If half those people own properties in the area, call it 2,000, right? six per 100 are going to sell. Unless my maths are wrong, that's about 100. And twenty properties out of the two thousand that'll be listed for sale every year. You get called in on half of them, and you're good. Eighty percent. You've got to trust me here with the mass, but it means that's about fifty sales a year you'll get out of your database. Now, based on the average fee in my area, it's about one and a half million dollars a year in income. Does my mass make sense? So that's the first thing. The second thing I would say to young people is. Train for skills, go to the great trainers, go to Lee, go to Tom Panos, go to the really good trainers, learn all the the listing presentations and all of those things, but also train in other areas. Go and do communications training, go and do public speaking, Uh, go and learn how to listen properly and go and do as many different courses and so on as you can to be a fully rounded Communicator, to be a professional, not just a transactional agent. Do all the skills training, do the attitude. The third thing I do for young people is try and get into their head at an early age that their health, their health is not an extra, it's a vital part of your energy levels in order that you are productive. Now, I've spent a lot of time in a healthy community and my health isn't. An extra my health is in my diary each of the days every day that i come to work and what happens when you're young it's hard you get in and you've got the kids and you've got all these obligations and mortgages and all that stuff so a lot of people don't they do away with the health stuff for a while and then they don't understand why their results aren't so good so the third thing is you've got to factor or weave your health now whether it's meditation whether it's Pilates, whether it's yoga, whether it's running. For some people, by the way, when they've got kids, they're going to the movies one afternoon a week and having me time, right? Whether they're the mum or the dad, sometimes you've got to do that stuff for your own personal sanity. The fourth thing that I would say, Sam, to young people is this. You've got to be open and you've got to not take things personally in order to get better. What happens with a lot of agents it's not their fault after a while they don't take advice and when they get a bit of momentum and a few results they stop learning we've had this conversation before but i've been to harvard and done some of the best courses in the world i just did one for a week and in another month i'm going to do another one i've never stopped learning you stop learning in my view and that's why mark mcleod or matt Lahood, two people that are going to do a podcast with myself and you in a little while uh, people at the top of their game, all the great agents keep learning. So that would be the fourth piece of advice. Keep learning so you can keep growing. That's what I'd say to people.
1: Well, this is why we come to you because you are one of the wise men of the industry.
0: Can I just add one other thing? And you're always respectful to me and I thank you for that. But part of wisdom is also making mistakes. And I think some people think getting wise is you just add all these pieces of wisdom, you don't. There is no mistake I haven't made. Trust me, none. So the path to wisdom is across the broken glass of making mistakes, of train wrecks. And I'll add that to number five. If you're young out there and you're starting, you only get better by making mistakes. Here's the thing. You get better at listing by failing in real estate. Like what that means is you lose when you first go out trying to list, you get clobbered by the other agents, right? And that's where you learn the vital lessons. So the point I'm making when we're little, you learn to walk by falling over. Remember, the kid about a year old starts to walk, you fall over, you lose some bark, you get up, you fall over. Real estate's the same. But the reason a lot of people in real estate don't get any better, right? They don't want to lose. They do the safe way. But the fifth thing I'd say if you're young, you're going to get some bark off your knees, and the only way you're going to get better is to lose. The difference on the tennis circuit between the top 1% and the other 99%, the difference, is not skills. Once you get to the top 10% of world tennis, they are all got the same skill level. The difference is this. When Djokovic makes a mistake, a bad mistake, right, What he's able to do that the others can't do is nearly completely delete the mistake from his mind instantaneously and moves on to the next point without biting onto it, right, and biting down on it and beating himself up. The reason a lot of agents aren't any good or, sorry, or don't grow, right, is because when they have a mistake, they miss a listing or they miss a sale, or they do something wrong, they beat up on themselves for days and sometimes weeks. Just like great tennis players, the ability to move on, to delete the image of the catastrophe or the train wreck, that's a secret for the success of agents who move quickly from one disaster onto the next success, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I've made quite a few mistakes in the last ten years myself. So I do think you learn, you know, someone said 10,000 hours or something or other is what gets you close to mastery of a particular thing. It's not actually sort of taking the speed learning challenge. It's actually spending the hours and making the mistakes.
0: Malcolm Gladwell, it came from The Outliers, a book that he wrote years ago which is came from proper research that said you needed to do those amount of hours before you get really proficient, and he used the Beatles in there. And and the Beatles, if you read that book, the Beatles used to perform in clubs uh, in Germany when they were very, very young and do multiple shows a day every day of the week, and they did their hours together over a series of years and fast-tracked the acquisition of all of those skills. Real estate's exactly the same, as is the playing of chess, as is all of the things that are skill-based. So 10,000 hours, yeah, you've got to do some version of that when you're young, and it involves lots of mistakes. I'm going to guess if you were in one of those beer halls where the Beatles were playing in the 60s, that you would have heard Paul and John and George make mistakes playing their guitars or synchronising their voices or Ringo making a mistake on the drums. If you're afraid to make mistakes, you can't grow. It's just that simple. Do
1: you think that's inadvertently a piece of advice for leaders out there maybe who might be listening in is to make their environment safe for people to make mistakes?
0: Well, Google did a big study recently. Is it called the Aristotle study. It's a, one of the – I used the name of one of the philosophers. They went and analysed all these teams that worked there and in essence they were trying to work out why some teams are more successful than others, as only Google can do. And uh, research is fantastic and it came up with the five reasons, the five main reasons that some teams are way more successful than others and it's in essence the top reason, Aristotle Project it was, in effect the top reason was psychological safety. Now, if you went into a lot of real estate business, Samantha, and said to the people who work there without the boss around, you went into the to not just real estate, by the way, and other organizations and said, how's a boss if you make a mistake? What happens, right? I think a lot of people would tell you that the boss gets angry and blames people or says negative things Or might be someone who sulks in the corner. There's a whole pile of things going on. But in essence, Google discovered, as have other research, that if people are allowed to make mistakes within your organisation and not be punished, either verbally or otherwise, then they will take risks and make more mistakes in order to grow. You've asked a good question here. What happens in a lot of businesses, bosses can never grow their real estate business because. They don't let their new people go out and lose listings in order to get better at listing because they want to make money and they think they can't afford to. So they tell the new people to go and find their own listing leads. Whereas you've got to, have to lose money to make money. So when you're a leader in a real estate business, that involves feeding from time to time listing leads that are good ones to your people. Now you train them before they go out, but at the end of the day, you can't have training wheels on them all the time, and they're going to go out and have to fail. I've had people work for me who've got clobbered for a while until finally they get angry about getting clobbered, angry internally, and they decide to get better at listing, and they decide to study listing, and they decide to hone and improve their listing presentation. But returning to your question, If anyone's a young leader out here in particular or if they're an old one for that matter and people in your business are scared to make mistakes because you're going to yell and scream at them because you're a hothead or whatever else, your business will never grow because your people can't grow with that atmosphere as part of the culture.
1: Yeah, I think that's super important heading into next year. I mean we are going to have you back before Christmas so I can't wait for that one. with the other two wise men of the industry, there we go, we sort of let that slip, Christmas special three wise men. But if I could sort of get your thoughts on what we're heading into for 2024, I mean, this year's headlines have been dominated by rental crisis, property manager shortages, interest rate increases, I mean, lower volumes. Where do you think 2024 is going to take us?
0: I was at a conference two weeks ago and I saw someone there say there's 4,000 property management jobs on seek across Australia. I think the property managers are the doctors and nurses of the real estate profession. And for what it is worth, the reason that we've got this crisis there is all our own mistake. It's our mistake or our fault because the amount of money that we charge to manage a property is the same as it was, sorry technically the same as it was in 1972. So in this race to the bottom for all of us to beat other real estate companies to get the management of a property, the average fees that people get now are so low, we can't pay property managers what they're worth. Fees should be 10%, 10%. Right across the real estate profession, they should be 10% in property management and someone needs to tell the government that that's the source of the problem. It's not real estate agents. It is that they can't make any enough money at four percent. Some people charge like four or four percent now to manage a property. Do they not know in nineteen seventy-two it was seven percent without GST? Like seriously, our industry is beyond crazy. What we should be doing is everyone putting their fees up all around the country, and then you watch the property managers stream back in because the businesses will be able to pay them enough money. We should be lobbying the government for that. And then we wouldn't have our profession being in the media all the time for all of these horrible stories and these websites that exist now where they film property managers saying things and then post it. as all these things. On the matter of the next 12 months, I'm an optimist. You've got to be an optimist to be in real estate. So I'm an optimist, right? I actually think we've done the worst bit. Australians had a lot of money put aside, the mortgage cliff, yes, later in the year, but people have all planned for it. You can refinance or you can break your loan up into principal and interest and interest only, and I think we might get one more little interest rate rise, one more maybe, and then I think the next rise the other side of Christmas will be down. I think the stock levels are sufficiently low, even for spring, but my view is we're going to have a decent spring. We'll come out, we'll have a rest over Christmas. We'll pop out the other side. I don't think the economy's in bad shape. Most people got jobs. I think 2024 is going to be a good year to be in real estate. But, Samantha, I've never had a bad year in real estate, and I've had more than 40 of them, you know. The hard ones are good because here's what my view is. The really good agents stand out when it's hard. They really, really help their clients and they win this extra loyalty. I don't mind it when it's tough. And, and my business here, you know, there's 400-plus agencies in the first national group. My business is the top agency in the wor- in the hardest year we've had. My market's very badly affected. We've still had a really good year. You know, our business is the top one in the whole of the 400. So, I think 2024 is going to be a good year. I think great agents are just going to do better and better. I'll say one other thing. One thing that I've observed in the last 12 or 18 months is that the really good agents who follow process, and Mark McLeod talks about this so much, they've done really, really well this time, in my view, much better than they did in the GFC, because they just hit that switch in their head much quicker. They didn't waste time trying to make excuses. They just sat down with people, talked to them, helped them adjust their price so they could move. And I want to give them credit. The really good ones have done really well. So I think 2024 is going to be a good year to be a real estate agent.
1: Yeah. Well, let's hope so. And I guess, Chris, I just want to say thank you once again for coming and sharing some of your wisdom and knowledge with all of our listeners, we love having you on the podcast. If there was one thing that you'd like to leave people with today, what would it be?
0: If you're doing it hard out there, you're a real estate agent at the moment and you're doing it hard you're not getting your results you feel like you're running uphill with a pile of lead on your back if you're doing all that and it's tough. What I suggest that you do is take a couple of days off. don't do what a lot of people do keep thinking they' just got to go up that hill. The first thing is do that. The second thing is sit down and write on a single sheet of paper what it is that you need to change in order to improve your business. And then ask yourself this. One question. If you're a leader, it's the same, right? Why aren't I doing what I know I need to do to get better? why aren't I? because my view is most agents salespeople and most leaders can answer the question what do I need to do you know they know get more listings do more prospecting so instead of wasting time beating yourself up about that just ask yourself one question huh? why aren't I doing that and if you can answer that which we all can then just focus on that right? It might be distraction in your office. It might be you've got ants in your pants. It might be you don't have a space to prospect. It might be you've just reached that place sometimes where you know what you need to do, but you can't do it, okay? So, so find a way to answer that question, whatever the answer is, just do it, All right? Just do it. Like Nike said, just do it, okay?
1: It's great advice, Chris Hanley. Thank you so
0: much. Samantha, it's always a pleasure. Anytime, I look forward to talking with you soon. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate Podcast with Thanks to Connect Now. To stay in touch with All Things Elite Agent, sign up for our daily newsletter, The Brief, at eliteagent.com slash subscribe.